Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Shelf Logic podcast. This is Jen. And this is Jennifer. And we are here today in the month of April. And because it's April, that is Earth Month, and Earth Month is coming up soon. This episode is going to air just before, actually, no, no, just after Earth Day. Earth so. You'll want to check out all of our resources for Earth Day, but then there's something really exciting, and I don't know how many will be left, but maybe some will be left for the milkweed seed kits that we're unveiling on Thursday on the 22nd. Yeah, on April 22nd, starting on Earth Day, we'll have desert milkweed seed kits where you can get some desert milkweed seeds, and you can grow them from seed, and you can plant them for monarch butterflies. It's a host plant. Yeah, it's super exciting. I know that butterflies are really struggling lately, so it's really, it's such a cute little fun way to kind of help the environment in that way. And hopefully there will be some left by the time you hear this so that you can grab it. But if not, there's also, there's just so many ways you can get involved. And even if you get, you know what I mean, your own plants and try to help out, we think that'd be awesome. Yeah, and we have the um, Desert um, Botanical Gardens cultural passes here that you can check out. And if you do that, you can stop in at, they, they do sell desert milk, milkweed plants. Oh, yeah. So then you can do it right from a plant and not have to do it from seed. But we probably will have some left. Mm-hmm. I think so. Hopefully. But yeah, I thought we would just jump in with a couple titles um, to kind of promote for this special time. And I actually, heading into it, I realized how few books I'd actually read in this specific genre. And I really... We haven't mentioned the genre. Oh, yeah. It's, well, if you clicked on the title of the podcast, you'll probably know. It's eco-fiction. <laughs> um, eco-fiction. I really feel like it wasn't until, like, maybe the last year or a couple of years that I have even been seeing that word thrown around, like, in describing books. Yeah. I think a lot of them are going to be falling under, like, the bigger umbrella of sci-fi. Yes. Have you read many in this section? No, and I haven't. I'm not a, a huge sci-fi reader. I do read a little bit. Um, but both of mine were in sci-fi. Yes. So my, let me see. Oh, this one that I grabbed. So I didn't read this one, but I wanted to talk about it because it's like the big one that's on the map right now. It's called The Overstory. It's by Richard Powers. And apparently it's divine. It is amazing. It, from what I have like gleaned from researching it, it is about trees and like their connectedness with people and basically the climate and like I, I'm not totally sure like what what the plot of it is, but it's people and um, climate is happening to the trees and to the people, and it's just stories woven how they impact each other and people like learning to communicate or learn from the trees, which is really good because I feel like and I'll talk about my other book that I read later. I feel so excited about being connected to nature now, especially just in studying this um, in studying these books because it's just so. I don't know. It's so important, and it gives you, like, a sense of calm. I don't know. But, yeah, that's the overstory. Everybody, apparently everybody loves it. And this is, like, the big eco-fiction book of the last couple years. Yeah, I've also heard. I have heard of that one as well. Yeah, we have it here in physical form. Um, Oh, goodness. I I believe we have it as an e-book as well. I would imagine. I can't can't remember which app, but check it out. It's going to be e-book and e-audiobook, I'm sure. it's in the general fiction section. That's what started me off on this book. Mine is in general fiction, which I think is pretty rare because a lot of the time, if it's eco-fiction, they're talking about some kind of plot that's happening with, like, the environment and 
if you just go straight to science fiction, probably dystopian science fiction generally because things are going awry with the climate or, you know, just the environment. Yeah. And that really leads into the ones, the two books that I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. So the first book that I wanted to share is called New York 2140, and it's by Kim Stanley Robinson, who is a well-known sci-fi author. It's a really thick book. It's 624 pages. Oh, no. <laughs> Read it. <laughs> and it does deal with climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes place in the year 2140, obviously, in New York, obviously. Um, and... Climate change has caused seawater levels to rise 50 feet. So most of New York City is underwater. And it's um, kind of turned into um, like today's Venice. Oh my goodness. So people live on the upper floors of buildings. And Manhattan below 46th Street is almost entirely flooded. So it's referred to as Super Venice. And um, all the wealthy people live in uptown Manhattan and near the cloisters um, because those are above water. Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx are like shallow, toxic seas. But it it sounds dystopian, but it's not. That's the really interesting thing. Um, I really, I found it fascinating. The author is fascinated with everyday life in, and he's really into world building. So if you like that level of detail, um, it's he does that in his other books as well. Apparently, I haven't read those. But people um, who like that kind of imagining what everyday life would be in the future will enjoy this novel. It makes you think about how life will be when when we're, when we are gone mm-hmm. and wonder, you know, what's going to happen to our great great grandchildren. Right. Um, so people navigate the city using water taxis and private boats and airships and sky bridges. Um, basically, in the 21st century, there were two major flooding disasters caused by these big ice melts in Antarctica. And afterwards, there was a whole lot of economic depression. Yeah. And billions of people died. But that's not, that's not the focus. That's why it's not really that dystopian because that's all in the past. We're now yeah. in 2140 and life has gone on. Uh-huh. So there's less people in the world, which, um, although there are tons of characters in this particular book that you have yeah. to keep track of, but they all kind of come together. They're from all walks of life. They live on the upper floors of the MetLife building, which it turns out is like was an architecturally um, copied from Venice. So it's oh. kind of his little play. The author uses his characters for social commentary and to caution the readers about the dangers of climate change, even kind of that it may be too late, Uh, but people are just so incredibly resilient. So this is not a dystopian novel at all. It's uh, the tone is upbeat. Yeah. It's been, you know, 40 years since the waters rose and people are coping, they're connecting and daily life goes on. Um, There is a lot of finance and, the dangers of our present economic system as well. So it's it's an eco-novel, both economic and ecological. <laughs> the author um, concentrates quite a bit on the economic crises that the world has faced and will face yeah. in the future. But Denver has become the center of American 
culture and finance. Oh, Denver. Denver, because it's in the middle, I guess. (laughs) And all the uncool people, like that boring people that are safety-oriented, they escaped from New York and went to Denver. So that left to, like, all the creative types in New York, kind of the offbeat, you know, the artists. (laughs) It's a really cool book. It's interesting, and it's scary to imagine what life will be in the future, but there is incredible detail. Mm -hmm. You know, just, you almost feel like, gosh, does this guy know something? Is he like a time machine? You know? (laughs) And, um, but I agree, you know, humans are really adaptable and life, you know, will go on. People will adapt. And that's kind of the interesting thing. Oh, yeah. That reminds me of my, but did you, you had, you had another one. Yeah. So I have another one that is really interesting because of the way it is kind of, um, goes with this first one Uh and the second book. So the first one was New York. 2140 by Kim Stanley Robinson. The second one is called War Girls by Tochi Anyabuchi. And it takes place in the 21, 2172, I think. Okay. So it's not that far off from yeah. the other one. And this one is dystopian. Oh, it's a YA, yeah. YA a title. Of, a lot of those ones are, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. And it's, um, the earth has been almost destroyed by climate change. Um, so there are space colonies and a lot of people are evacuating from the earth and those who are left are really struggling to survive. And what was once Nigeria is engaged in a civil war between the North and South. So, um, and in between the North and South is this, um, area called the Redlands and that is if you like go in there, you will die instantaneously uh, wait, because because of the climate, because of radiation. Oh, Poisoning. can I? This is not related to your book. Can I tell you something that I just found out? Yes. Apparently, my my brother told me this. There's like such a climate situation where if the humidity in the air is high enough and it's like hot enough in the air that when you breathe it in, like you can't, like in the future, if, if bad things happen or whatever, if you were to go into one of those areas, if you breathe it in, it would condense in your lungs oh and then it would gosh. be, it would be unlivable. And so then when you said, when you said redlands, I was like, that's what it is. Yes. But it's okay. But radiation is also bad. But yeah, because they have, you know, technology has like continued and obviously war weapons have just become utterly scary. I mean, yeah. they're just more and more destructive. But this one starts with two two young women who are his closest sisters, and they're separated and end up on either side of the conflict. Um, one is Biafra, and the other is Nigeria. So Anyi is from southern Biafra, and Ifi is from Nigeria, and their lives are now completely different. And Anyi has become like a battle weapon for Biafra. She's like a child soldier. And the explore, the book explores their whole allegiance to their countries and kind of almost like, um, you know, how child soldiers are, um, in reality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, but it also, it's really interesting because it's, um, it's following Nigerian history and the author has like a thing in the back about that follow some of that you'll learn a lot about Uh Nigerian history, which I was not even aware of Mm -hmm. that right after Nigeria gained independence from Great Britain in 1969, there was a civil war between Nigeria and Biafra and they were tensions between the Igbo people in the South 
established Biafra and the House of Alani in the north. And now in 2170, there's so much competition for resources, you know, because it's terrible on Earth, that the, these tribal tensions have risen again and caused the Civil War. Obviously, there's racial tensions between the white Europeans and black Africans. So it's still exploring those kinds of things as well. And then also the technological developments, particularly those related to warfare. So the weapons of war are super destructive. The lines between human and machine are becoming blurred. So there's a little bit of artificial intelligence in there. These technological devices called augments can be applied to any part of the body, even your brain. And they (laughs) give you like superhuman powers. So you could like maybe get superhuman strength. Then this is what they're using on Anyi. So she's like this war machine. And, or maybe you can read minds. And then there's other beings called synths. And they have been created from a combination of previous human (gasps) body parts Uh. and also... Uh, machine parts and it's kind of exploring that where is the division between yeah humans and machines when you get so many chips in your brain and then you're using all the chips to think you are a robot eventually right that's the goal for right that something. blurring of yeah <laughs> humanity and and machine and it, you know it's just a really interesting it's really interesting because both of these are taking place in the 22nd mm-hmm. century separated by just 30 years both of them have to do with climate change you know, Anya Bucci's book is very dystopian, this YA dystopia. Yeah. The world is this incredibly dangerous place. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. And Robinson's book, you know, he's much more optimistic. Yeah. About despite billions of people dying. I like books like that more. <laughs> starting, yeah. 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 Although the detail, you know, you have to be ready for that. And it almost makes like New York in 2140 someplace I wished I lived. Yeah. You know. Because they're they're coming together, these people, and, like, helping each other. Yeah. And, you know, it's very, you know, they have the rich, but then the the ordinary people who are kind of off on their own, but the ordinary people are really helping each other. And, you know, it's kind of (laughs) neat. I love it. So, okay, another book that I feel like I've mentioned, like, maybe the last three podcast episodes that I've recorded, but I'm going to bring it up again now because it relates is The Parable of the Sower oh, by yeah. Octavia Butler. So it was what the books that you were talking about reminded me of it because it is, I don't know, it has like a mix of like that just like dystopia, like things are brutal, like very rough. And like some of like the tra- tragic scenes that happen, like when you're reading it, you are saying to yourself, this is horrific. And it is horrific. It's a really brutal world. But like the main character she is so, like, driven and, like, hopeful that she just wants to, like, create this new life. And do you know what Parable of the Sower is? I don't I don't want to give too much away. I'm just going to say what it is. It's not really giving much away. Basically, she is creating, like, not, like, so much a religion, but it is basically a religion. And, like, it's basically, like, you want to, like, prolifer- proliferate among the stars. Like, humanity wants to be resilient and, like continue on you know what I mean yeah and it's kind of you you learn that like throughout reading the book basically I don't know it's just I don't know it's it's so interesting and it definitely is an eco-fiction book because everything that like everything that's happening in that book is because of climate change in, a, in yeah. that universe and so like basically they, it takes place in like Southern California and they're like oh if we can just get up to like 
like Washington area, like they still get rain there. You know what I mean? And it's just like, oh, I can't even, I, I don't know. But that's also a book to check out. It's totally related to those. And I know I keep saying it every episode that we film <laughs> that we record, but it's it's good. It's available on Hoopla. Are those I forgot to ask? You know, I I didn't check. I'm sure that that they are yeah. readily available. Yeah. I read did read the physical copies. I should have done that, mm-hmm. but um, definitely check them out. And you know, like I said, it's really interesting how they're so opposite. Mm-hmm. That one is just very hopeful, even though it seems like it's not, but it is. And then yeah. the other is just really brutal. It is a hard, it's a hard read and a lot happens. So if you like a fast plot, that Anya Bucci book would be for you, um, the War Girls. If you like a lot of world building and a lot of, um, you know, just imagining how the world would be like, then I would recommend the Robinson book. Yeah. Um, that we is going to be for you. Yes. And both of them were really interesting, but... Um, very different. Mm-hmm. Well, this one I think is even different than both of those. Yeah, <laughs> so that's great. My one that um, I have read is called The Bear. It is by Andrew Krivak or Krivak. I think Krivak. I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find a video. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> okay, so The Bear, we have it in physical form. We have it on Hoopla, on ebook and e-audiobook. This book is pretty short. It's almost like a novella, but it's a little longer, I guess. It is unlike any of these other ones, I think, in that it is, like, way in the future. There's no humans left except for two humans. And you're thinking, like, oh, like, something terrible has happened. Could be. I don't know. It doesn't go into that. But it's um, a father and his daughter that are left. And it's just so far into the future that, like, nature has reached its like balance again and like it's just beautiful it's like eden there's like bees buzzing around animals everywhere and the daughter and the dad like have a relationship with nature like much more like from what i understand that would be relative to like indigenous you know what i mean people and like when i was reading a little bit about the book online the author like how he talks about the different things that you do in nature to survive, like getting like animal skins and like doing all these things. It's very like related to indigenous like practices and like being thankful to like the animals, like when you have to take them to eat them, giving back to nature too. Anyways, so that's just like one aspect of the book that I found really interesting to perceive like a future so far in the future that like people are done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like we have to get, I don't know, we have to get back to that point in the future. What is happening in the book is... The dad is like, oh, we need more salt. And salt comes from the ocean. And so they don't really live that close to the ocean. And um, she's like, oh, okay, let's go. Her, By the way, her mom, I'll just say, it's not a spoiler. Her mom died like a few months after she was born because of childbirth-related issues. And so there was three people and others, two, the dad and the daughter. And, like, it is, they're the last two. Yeah. It's not like... I'll just, this, is a, this is a spoiler. They're not going to find anybody else. And they're not even looking because, as they say... Like, the dad tells the daughter, he's like, my, like, my parent, like, my, or my dad, the only people he ever knew was, like, my, I can't remember the rela- relations, but, like, his wife's, like, family, and, like, they spent, like, their parents and grandparents spent their entire lives looking for other people, and they never found them, so then when it got to this dad and the mom, they just, they were like, why look, like, let's just make a life here, and so then that's when they had the daughter, and again, they don't name, they don't give them names or anything. 
They start their little travel to the sea to get salt, and they come upon what I think is, like, a neighborhood, but, like, so far in the future that, like, it's there's nothing left. There's, like, nothing except little bits of walls. And so the dad is like, oh, this is wild. Like, come look at these walls. When I was a kid and we made – when I made this journey, they were taller, and now they're, like, almost totally gone. And the, the daughter, she's like, I don't like being here. This feels weird. He's like, let's see if there's anything here we can use. Like, glass is, like, a thing that nobody knew how to make for, like, e- like generations. And so they're like, so let's see if we can get glass. She's like, I don't like being here. He, like, I just, side note, I cried multiple times in this book. And it's not, like, a really jarring book, but it's very, very touching. It does go over, like, grief. It it is a lot of grief and loss because, I'll just say, there's a good portion of the book where she's the only person. And so, like, oh, my goodness, he tells her, like, it's okay, I'm just going to jump down this wall and try to see, look for stuff he gets bit. That's what happens. And stuff happens from there on his hand. But you may be wondering why it's called the bear. So in the very beginning of the book, he tells a story about, like, how bears are so good. And I just want to read this one little paragraph because it's so darling. Okay. So she's kind of, she's like, oh, I don't know about bears. Like, what are they like? She says, I mean, will they roar at us and come eat our food if they're hungry? The real bears? And then he says, no, said the man. They don't roar unless you bother them or threaten their young. My father once told me they will travel a long way to do good. For their own or another. It's a promise they make when they are very young, whispering it to their mothers even before their eyes are open. And I just was like, oh my goodness. And so when I first read that, I was like, this, oh my goodness. I, I almost started crying just from that because the bears are so sweet. But then like later and after her dad dies, a bear comes up to her and he's helping her and they start talking and stuff. But basically just, you remember, I, I didn't even remember that paragraph until later. So then something at the end of the book happens and you're like, oh my goodness, the bears. Um, but I won't tell you what it is. You might've noticed that I said they're talking about things. So they share like so much of like, I don't know, like conversations about like what they're doing and like about loss and grief and like what existence is like. And she's, she finally says to him, she's like, why can you talk? Like, why can I understand you and you are talking to me? And he's like, he says to her, animals and nature have always spoken. I think the more interesting question is like, why can you suddenly understand us again? Because he said way back before the others, so they call the others the humans. He said humans used to be able to speak with us, but they lost it. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And so, I don't know. It's I can't recommend this book enough. It's a quick read. Um, it's like a very gentle read. I feel like there's obviously those parts where I cry, but I'm also an emotional person. So it just gets you. It's just really, it's really sweet. It makes you kind of optimistic. Not that like, here's what I like to think of like in the future. I like to think like humans will be resilient. We will overcome. We will like ease human suffering. You know what I mean? All these things. But even like if there becomes a day where there's one person left, it, it makes you feel like calm almost because she's so connected to nature and like living a good life. Nature is so good. And like, I don't know, it's just really optimistic. I feel like, yeah, but it deals with grief. Well, and it's optimistic too. for the planet. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I highly recommend it. There's parts in the Robinson book also where people have voluntarily left huge parts of the United States in order to clear the way for wildlife oh my goodness see so yeah yeah so that's more a- optimism for the planet yeah that's funny. it's so good and i kept i kept thinking like she's gonna be too curious like she I, it was surprising to me like the first time they went through where the wall area was is what like once was a neighborhood and she just was not into it like and i was like that's so interesting that she's not 
she's like lost any kind of curiosity about like what what once was as yeah. as far as humans and civilizations. Like she's just only thinking about the present, and that's kind of like what I want to like be more like. I want to be more in the present, and like obviously we're in civilization right now. But I don't know. It was just I felt like it was a really interesting way to live. Yeah, I don't know. The animals were not fond of that area too. It was just, and that's where her dad, her dad got bit too. It was just a bad, a bad wow. place. What did he get bit by? It, it was unclear. It, it said like she saw like a, t- a tail, and she saw the eyes and the flash of the teeth, and she was trying to draw her bow and arrow, but it, she just couldn't see because it was dark. And so I, I'm guessing it was like a snake in the water because he like dropped down into like this crevice area okay. to look for stuff. <sighs> oh, it was so sad. It, it just it talks about death, and you know what I mean, like and how like. Like, he had a ritual that he told her all about, like, when her mom had died, that, like, what he did, and she, like, emulates that, and she's like, I promise I'm going to do this, and it's just like, she's going to do it, right? And so, and then, like, it goes way in the future, and then you're not expecting what happens to happen, and it's just such a sweet ending, and, like, oh, I if humanity ended like this, uh, I don't want humanity to ever end, obviously. My heart. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. That's really great. It's it's pretty good. Sounds good. I'm already, I'm, like, tearing up right Oh, now. wow, I can't wait to read that one. It's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, put it on hold. We have physical copies and it's uh, digital as well. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, I think is that yeah, that's that sums all it up. Yeah. yeah. Make sure to check in with us about all of our Earth Day programs that we're going to be putting up online. Um, and of course, check to see if there's any milkweed seed kits left. <laughs> yes, for sure. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great day. This is Jen. And Jennifer. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.